Well, good morning, my good friends. I trust that you are still keeping well. I believe and trust that the Lord is real to you today, as he has always been, that you have been in constant uh, conversation with the Lord, seeking his will and receiving an abundance supply, an abundant supply of grace from him. And so today I want us once again to get together to read the word of God together and hear what the Lord has to say to us today. My name is Nimrod Bai from Koinonia Ministries. And uh, today we are going to share, uh, we are going to continue with the talk about uh, the contribution of uh, Joseph and Mary to our salvation and to thank the Lord for choosing ordinary folks like most of us uh, who live in the world today to be part of his great plan of redemption. So today we are talking about Mary. And uh, our topic is Mary's song of freedom and justice. And uh, we shall find this in the book of Luke chapter 1, verses 46. To 53. Shall we pray? We thank you, dear loving Father, for yet another occasion when we can meet together with my brothers and sisters, wherever they may be, to hear the word of God. We pray, Father, that you may open our ears to hear you and our eyes to see you, Lord, and our hearts to be receptive, and our bodies and our hands and our feet to actively participate in the mission that you have committed to us all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And once again, it's Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 43. The occasion is when Mary, after hearing the good news from angel Gabriel, then she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with child. And so the song, this, this song says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. That is our reading. And we shall be looking at uh, what all this means for us today. Great. So, We've been reading the story of Mary and Joseph. Um, normally, traditionally, this, 
verses or scriptures are read during Christmas. But scripture is for all time. Every scripture is for all time. We don't have to wait until Christmas. And yet, I want to start by observing how we have traditionally treated this story, the story of Mary and Joseph, or particularly the, the, uh, the story of Mary and the birth of Christ. We sometimes treat it, the way we tell the story during Christmas, makes it sound like a, a fairy tale or something at least from Greek mythology. But uh, this is real, something real that happened and which impacts our lives to this very day. And this is the point of our discussion this morning. So when I look at Mary's song, for the scriptures we have read are regarded as a song. When I look at this Mary's song, I see similarities there with, the, with other songs that are recorded in the Bible that were sung by heroes and heroines of our faith when God gave them victory in battle, especially. It reminds me, for instance, of Deborah and Barak in the book of Judges when they defeated their enemies and they broke out into song of victory and thanksgiving to God. It also reminds me of the crossing of the Red Sea. After crossing the Red Sea, Miriam broke out into song together with the women with tambourine and dancing. And Moses as well sang his song, you know, of victory and thanksgiving to God, describing in detail what God has done for Moses' people and also against the attacking army of the Egyptians. That is how I see Mary's song. It is a song of praise to God, but it is also a song of celebration and victory for the poor and the marginalized against the oppression and the exploitation, the marginalization, exclusion of the majority of people in, in, in the population of most countries who are poor and unable to meet their daily needs. We hear statistics exchanged during seminars and international fora. Oh, so many of these people or so much in the population live below the poverty line. They live with less than a dollar per day. But these are real people, like Mary, like so many people around us. I tell you, my friends, this story is real, and God's salvation is real as well. And so, uh, because we are surrounded by poverty, and need, and exclusion, and injustice, all around us, we who believe in God and his saving power should make this our song as well. It should be our daily song in prayer, but also in our work, in our action, in responding to the needs of those who don't have. So let's look at Mary's song in perspective. Mary opens with praise and worship. In verses 7 to 50. It is offered to, this song is also offered to God as a prayer that God will, will, will indeed raise up 
exalt the poor and the humble and bring down the arrogant and the proud who oppress the poor. Significantly, Mary also does acknowledge that God has saved her. She acknowledges God as her savior. And so um, all of us depend on God's salvation for right relationship with him and also for the salvation of the world and the universe and the restoration of the creation to the way it was at the beginning. At the beginning, the problems we, we are talking about were not there. And God's work of salvation is intended to restore the creation to the way God intended it at the beginning. And, more, and Mary sees this happening with the coming of the Savior and, the, and, and also sharing, celebrating the joy of being involved by God in working out this great plan of salvation. Secondly, Mary also expresses what he expects the Messiah to come and do. Not just for her, but for the entire world and for the entire creation. Mary says that God shows his mercy. He asks for God to show his mercy to those who hear him. But Mary also expresses this desire that God will overthrow the mighty who have been oppressing the poor and remove the yoke of oppression from the necks of the poor and the, and the weak. Verses 50 to 43. And so Mary's idea of the Lord's salvation is not limited to just saving souls or for, to the forgiveness of sins. It includes salvation from the consequences of sin. The psalmist in Psalm number 103, for instance, blesses the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he says, and forget not all his benefits. And he says these benefits of the Lord are one, forgiveness of sin. Two, the healing of diseases. Three, redeeming us from death. And four, I mean, and many other benefits. Now verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So God, God brings justice. The psalmist said, God is bringing justice through the Lord Jesus Christ, sings Mary. Now, I want us to look at the circumstances. When Mary was singing this song, when she was receiving this message, and when she sang this song, what was the status quo? The story is this. The whole land of Palestine and the other parts of the world at that time, the, the lands around the Mediterranean, had been conquered by the Romans, the Roman Empire, and occupied forcefully. And the people were subdued very ruthlessly. And the 
Roman Empire was literally sitting on the people, exploiting them, oppressing them, killing them, destroying their wealth, and taking most of the wealth through exorbitant taxation. The people were rendered poor and helpless, most of them. Now, the, the region of Galilee was particularly marginalized and poor. Now, 90% of the population uh, in Israel at that time were poor people, peasants, and village craftsmen like Joseph, for instance. And they did most of the work and produced most of the food crops and most of the goods. But because of the exorbitant taxation, they were left with almost nothing. Now, for their own reason, the Romans gave a little bit of autonomy to the, to the ruling class in, in Israel. And so the Sanhedrin, the religious ruling class, were allowed to exercise some law and order on, on the local level. They had their own police, and they also had their own courts where they could try people and sentence them. Now, here is a problem. The people are oppressed by the Romans. I mean, they, 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 they were really oppressed. They were taxed to the bone. And so when people of God are oppressed, they run to God. And those days, to go to God, you needed to go to, to the priests and, 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 and receive help from them. But the priests are in the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees. And they had compromised with the Romans. For being, so that's why I think they were given this authority to govern. But they were also corrupt and they were continued to exploit the poor people. So whatever the Romans did not steal, it was stolen by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the priesthood through exorbitant taxes, I mean, tithes and offerings, and even the temple taxes were exorbitantly taxed, or I mean, they, they, they had to be paid for. In other words, the people were being charged money for temple and other religious services. My friend, is this story familiar to you? I think it is familiar to me. This is happening today. People are, people are paying tithes and offerings through their noses and being left poor. When Gabriel, the angel Gabriel then says that the Messiah is going to be born at long last, God is going to fulfill his promise of bringing a savior, Mary could not hold herself, restrain herself. She had to sing and dance because of the good news. And I want to, um, to, 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 to think about our own circumstances in our own country, in the countries surrounding us, and in most countries of the world. And ask yourself, is the situation I just described, does it resemble in any degree, what happens in our own country. And so Mary, as we said, expected the Messiah to overthrow the status quo. That was the promise of God throughout the Old Testament. 
And that was the message and the cry of the prophets throughout the Old Testament. The question is, did God fulfill this promise, whether partly or wholly? History tells us that in the year AD 70, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. They also destroyed the temple. That means it, this destruction, and the people of course were scattered to nations all over the world. The work at the temple therefore stopped. There were no more priests, no more Pharisees, no more Sadducees, no more Sanhedrin. But then, unfortunately, there were no people either to worship or to benefit from the freedom because they had been scattered all over. And the Roman oppression continued for a few, uh, three or so other centuries, but the Roman Empire was also destroyed. So God did, God did partly at that time fulfill his promise. And, but yet, so much remains to be done and whatever is left is for you and for me to fulfill with the power, with the time, and with the resources that God has given us. God says, go in, Christ said, go into the whole world and preach the good news to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. That is our work. It is only through the preaching of the gospel of Christ and bringing the sense of, of salvation and redemption from injustice and oppression that we can extend the boundaries of the kingdom of God and lift people up, those who are oppressed and those who are marginalized, so that their created dignity as human beings is restored. That is what salvation means. What are the implications for the church, therefore? Actually, I've already touched on it. Mary's song is good news for the poor, for the oppressed and marginalized. And therefore, this song has been the love of many poor people over over the world. There are countries, there are, there are places where the, the song is actually sung every Sunday. And the poor loved, love that song. But you see, the lyrics of this song, particularly the overthrowing of the rich and the arrogant and the mighty, is, has been a threat to, to some oppressive regimes. And not surprising, therefore, Mary's song has been banned in at least three countries during, during the last century. During the British colonial rule in India, for instance, the singing of Mary's song in, in public had been banned until India's independence. Then during the, 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 the oppressive rule, governance in, um, in Argentina and uh, Guatemala as well, the song had been banned as well from public, uh, you know, citation. Why is this, did it happen? Well, see, the same reason they crucified Christ. He was educating the oppressed and teaching them the way of freedom. The oppressors don't want this. Satan does not want this. 
but Christ has sent us into the world to not just to sing the song, but to put it into practice. We need friends as Mary and Joseph participated in helping the progress of God's salvation and extending it to the ends of the earth. So I, are you and I called to do the same in different ways according to how God has equipped us. Friends, we have work to do. So let me invite you to give a fresh new look at Mary's song. It is not a fairy tale. It is not a myth. It has significant for us today as it was at that time. And it is the responsibility is on the church, you and I, to go and do what Christ has sent us to do. You might want to ask, what can I do as my humble contribution to this great plan of God? Let me suggest, think justice, but don't just think justice, do justice to all. The word of the Lord says, Furthermore, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and, and um, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. The Lord delights in working out righteousness, justice, and love in the earth. And that's what, my friend, we have been sent to do. May God bless you as you go and do that. Now I want to invite you to look at those numbers. Email, write to us. And telephone number, do call us. And as always, let's continue in the discussion. God bless you. And bye-bye.